Drive Time on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Zurich. It's your future. Let Zurich help you protect it. Talk to us today about life and serious illness cover. Now, it's been announced today that the European Commission is to proceed with the payment of 50 million euros in aid funding to UNRWA, the Palestinian Relief Agency, after the Commission paused uh, to reassess UNRWA funding in January, after allegations, you might remember, of staff members being implicated in the October the 7th attacks. For a reaction to this announcement and for the latest on the dire humanitarian situation in Gaza, I spoke with UNRWA's chief spokesperson, Julia Tuma, just before coming on air and first asked her for her reaction to the European Commission funding. Oh, we are relieved that uh, this uh, has happened. It comes in a, at a very critical time, so very, very uh, positive development here as we struggle to survive as an agency, the largest UN agency working in Gaza, and more importantly, as people in Gaza struggle to, to survive as they fight hunger and in some cases famine. What is your understanding though as to uh, when and if the, the other 34 million euro that's due to be paid, uh, when or if that will be paid? I don't have this information on me right now. Uh, we are, like I said, in a survival mode. So any financial contribution at the moment coming in the direction of UNRWA is uh, very, very helpful and we are extremely grateful. We're hoping though that uh, other uh, member states, other donors who have suspended their funding, that they reconsider this decision as the lives of millions of people, not only in Gaza, but Mm. around the region, rely on that financial assistance. And we'll discuss that, the humanitarian situation there, a a little bit more in just a second. Funding was reassessed by the Commission on the 29th of January. Isn't that right? In light of the serious allegations uh, made on the 24th of January that implicated several UNRWA staff in the 7th of October attacks. So can I ask you, what has UNRWA done to reassure funders? Okay, so 16 uh, countries or entities have suspended the funding. The European Union was not uh, part of those 16 uh, countries. Um, so the they have um, not suspended the funding to UNRWA. Now, what we have done since these awful, awful allegations came out is that we have asked for an investigation and there is an ongoing investigation um, by the Office of Internal Oversight Services, which is the highest United Nations investigative body. They are doing an investigation into these uh, awful allegations. At the same time, we have also commissioned a review to look into our um, risk measures and how we ensure that our staff working for UNRWA are aligned with the United Nations values and principles. And that review is currently being conducted by three Scandinavian institutions under the leadership of former Foreign Minister of France. Uh, And this review is absolutely fundamental in um, showing how the agency has been over the years been Mm -hmm. putting in place measures 
um, to ensure that staff are aligned with UN values and principles. Does UNRWA accept, though, at this point, that uh, some of its staff were involved as per the allegations in the 7th of October attacks? Look, these are allegations that the agency has taken very, very seriously. If you recall, the Commissioner General himself put out a statement uh, identifying what are the measures that he himself has taken. So he has um, terminated the contracts of uh, those uh, 12 uh, staff members. Uh, even though these are allegations, uh, he has started this uh, investigation uh, process and, uh, and and this review that I just mentioned to mm-hmm. you. Um, for us, what's important is for the investigation to take its course, for the truth to come out, and if these allegations turned out turn out to be true, then this would be considered a betrayal, not only for the United Nations, but also for the Palestinian uh, and, people. And when these mm, can I ask you, Juliet, when will that happen? Yes. When will we know the outcome of that investigation? Yeah. I do not have uh, any timeline on the process of the investigation. Uh, because the because UNRWA is not involved in the investigation. It's been done by a completely um, different entity in the United Nations. Can I ask you about the flo- uh, flower convoy yesterday? Was UNRWA involved? Not at all. Not at all. Uh, no United Nations agency has been involved in yesterday's uh, convoy. Uh, the events uh, yesterday are absolutely tragic. The reports we got from the ground is that at least 100 people were killed and another 700 were injured. Uh, But we do not have any information on that convoy, the route it has taken, the content of the convoy, who sent it. What I do know is that UNRWA um, was last able to reach northern Gaza on the 23rd of January. That's more than five weeks ago now. And we haven't been able to uh, send any aid, any food assistance uh, to an area in Gaza that has been classified as uh, on the verge of famine, right? So the very, very little humanitarian supplies uh, have been allowed into that part of, of uh, Gaza. And there needs to be much more coordinated through the United Nations, the largest humanitarian operator in, in Gaza. And there needs to be a regular flow. And there needs to be protection of the United Nations convoy. You see, on three different occasions, UNRWA convoys have been hit either on the way in or out from northern Gaza. That's what we've been told in this programme by other aid agencies. Let aid in and let it flow freely. Otherwise, thousands of people are at risk of dying uh, as a result of famine. Can you describe to us how how dire the situation is? I couldn't agree more. Uh, This is totally man-made and could have been prevented if more aid supplies were allowed into the Gaza Strip, if more Uh, humanitarian aid is allowed into Gaza in general and if those convoys are protected at all times. Uh, We're hearing reports today that at least uh, 576,000 people in the Gaza Strip uh, are one step away from famine. That's according to the UN. Um, I just wonder how far away, how long away in terms of days are we from a significant mass death because of famine? Well, we understand that children are already dying from malnutrition um, and possibly there are also adults who are dying from hunger or starvation um, because it has to do with a weakening of one's um, immune system. 
it's a combination of issues. I mean, there's not much clean water, as, as another example. Living conditions are absolutely horrendous. Um, so quite possibly there are people who are dying as a direct result of um, a lack of humanitarian aid, and that shouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. Yes, we are um, a step from a step from famine in in many parts of of northern Gaza. Uh, um, we, we still have time. We still have time. The clock is ticking and sticking very fast. And this is what we've been saying for the past two months: allow aid to go into northern Gaza on a regular basis, protect those convoys on their way in and out, and uh, give the green light so that we are there. All of this could have been avoided. Mm-hmm. All you, of this could have been avoided. You, you paint a picture, Juliet, as though aid is mounting at the border and ready to go in once the green light has been given. Is that the situation? Oh, not at all. Then I painted the wrong picture for you. The aid coming in uh, to Gaza in general, to the Gaza Strip in general, has in fact um, reduced um, significantly in in February. When we look at the numbers, the number of trucks allowed in is only half of what was allowed in January, as one example. So aid, not enough aid is coming into the Gaza Strip in January, and very, very little aid is allowed to travel to the northern parts of Gaza. And that's where the problem is, because uh, uh, even though an awful lot of people have amassed uh, in the south, uh, there is still an awful lot of people in the, in the north, and it's very difficult, isn't it, logistically, to get aid to them safely? Well, yes, it's uh, not an issue of logistics. It's an issue of political will. If the Israeli authorities give the green light to the United Nations to move, we're ready to move. We're able to move, except that half of our requests that we sent since the beginning of the year have been denied to go to the north. For what reason? That is a question you need to ask to the Israeli authorities. Can I ask you finally then um, about the threat of attack, uh, a ground invasion in Rafah? What is your response at this point, given all that we've seen, even in recent days? How would that uh, make the situation worse? Not able to have the right words to describe what could happen. I was there myself on a number of occasions since the war began. Rafah is absolutely overcrowded with people. Wherever you look, you have these little structures. Uh, They've mushroomed. Um, They... Uh, are absolutely horrendous. Um, Everywhere you look, you have these little, they're not tents, they're like something you would put in your garden in the summer, right? Mm -hmm. And absolutely not uh, suitable for people to live in. The population has uh, increased six times since the war began. Uh, People have nowhere to go. The borders are closed. Uh, No place is safe. So... The fate of 1.5 million people relies on a decision that we hope will not be taken. That is, no further expansion of the war into Rafah. Okay, we'll leave it there. Uh, Julia Tuma of UNRWA, thank you very much indeed for joining us in the programme.